Greetings, greetings. Welcome to the Queen Dreaming, formerly Queen Dreaming Show. I am super excited as we're listening to a little bit of Bella Tank music to engage in just a chill, witchy conversation. Everyone is listening. I am excited to have this wonderful guest today, Richard Mays, which many names. Um, welcome. Hello there, nice to be here. How are you? I am well, welcome. I'm so excited. I just, um, for everyone that is listening, this conversation is going to be a little chill. So lately I have been dealing with this and I'm probably gonna have a conversation about this, this COVID vaccination. So I'm adjusting to that. But this conversation, is really rooted around, for anybody that's listening, I do follow the path of witch, which is a general term for a lot of people that practice various spiritual um, things. But I met Richard on Clubhouse and it's been a wonderful journey of relationship on witchiness and those things. So I decided to have him as my first guest on my four part or five part witch series so that we can have some conversations about what it is to be a witch, what it is to be a person that practices the occult and all those things so we can just get into it so today is just going to be a little chat conversation and so richard if you just want to tell the audience a little bit about yourself we can get into this conversation um sure so um yeah i am a practicing which i've been practicing now for over two decades i live in uh, the uk in london um i have um, an education background in philosophy and theology and that has really kind of broadened my practice and given me a lot more insight and I would definitely say that the what what is it is to be a witch is very much a calling to me it's something that feels just a very natural part of myself and always has been there that I have responded to that I've answered thank you so much and for those that are listening people that know me and don't I have been on this journey of understanding who I am for a while. I just visited my father who reminded me <laughs> we were having a slight conversation because he's not that understanding of my path, but he was like, I've done, I've done this and, you know, I remember when you were young and I was like, oh wow, I have literally been on this journey for a while. Sometimes I forget how long I've been on this, but it's been a part and I, I want to say for a lot of those let me not say those for a lot of us as witches this path has been a part of us all our lives some of us walk into it a little bit later than others but the reason that i wanted to have this conversation here is because a lot of people ask me questions and the topic for today is are you a good witch or a bad witch jokes aside um i don't use the term good or bad intention is where i come from and whatever intention that you choose you deal with that path but um for us as male witches i think for me in the beginning of really walking solidly in that path because i've always been a part of it um we deal with a lot as witches uh, male or female and people understanding our path and what we bring um for me i just love to be connected to the earth mother earth and everything around us and this path has been a very enlightening path for me and being able to manifest and bring things 
um, to fruition and stuff like that. I am more devout in my spiritual path than I was religiously. And I don't hate anybody that's Christian or any other path. Of course, if you've listened to my podcast, I have some very wonderful people that are part of my network and we engage in some really deep conversations. I consider myself an intellectual witch. And as Richard has um, done theology and philosophy, I too want to engage more in that academically. But Richard, I would like for you, and this is just a little conversation to go back and forth. So if, if there's anything that you want to engage in, um, this is not scripted, but I want for you um, to kind of touch base this as a person that has academically pursued theology and um, philo philosophy. What historically, just a little bit, is it to be a witch and what has surrounded um, or what the witch community has actually gone through in representation for themselves, if, if you get my drift. Yeah, sure. So that's a really interesting question because I think the thing is, it's a very loaded word when you hear the word witch and it comes from Anglo-Saxon, that specific word, but what has also been translated to the word witch is so varied. And it does look like there were cultures where there didn't need to be this distinction in magical practice. Pete, some cultures were just, you know, practice magic and that's all there was to it. Um, but then obviously we would find over time that that would sort of shift and change. Um, and probably the first witch in Western literature um, comes from um, the Greeks and that's from, um, that's Circe uh, in yes. Homer's Odyssey. And I always find the classics to be a really for me a really good example of what witchcraft is um i because they their word for it uh in in ancient greece was pharmakeia where we get our modern day word for pharmacy obviously and that is linked because it's linked to the powers of drugs and herbs and roots um i will say of course that witches were known to not just work with that so you have like medea who was Circe's niece who was a witch um and as an example she um when they're having a battle she actually attacks someone using um, other forms of magic she actually uses the evil eye and uh, invokes some dark powers to attack but she doesn't actually use herbs but she does use herbs at other points and most of the witches which Cersei do it's a very intrinsic part because those that's what comes from the earth herself but the thing about the earth is that the earth is what is the mother of everything so she is the yes. mother of all the gods and all the titans so Anything that comes from her is even a threat to them. So any monster that she can create will be a threat and any power. And one of those powers, of course, is, is the power of plants. Um, and it's interesting because, of course, when you when you really... It's a, it's a weird thing because it was when I took an interest in this, I it's not something that is... It's available, but it's not easily available. You have to kind of like trek through this stuff because it's the stuff that no one's really into or interested in writing much about. But what I realised was is that even when you go back to some of the very beginning stuff, for Zeus to take over Olympus from his father Kronos, he actually drugs him. He uses the magic of the earth to do it. Mm -hmm. um, he can't use his divine power. His divine power won't do it. But the power of his mother, the power of essentially that comes through witchcraft, can. Um, so to me, it's very much, although there's a within it, there's clearly a very strong conversation and connection to the earth. It's very much about your inner power uh, and self empowerment. And I thank you so much for that. And for those that are listening, we are, as he said, European magic things. I love Greek mythology and all of that. But today's focus, and there is a four part for those who are listening. We are now, we are, this is just a chill and chat, but we're going to get more specific 
and what it means to be a witch in the male perspective. Then the second one is going to be the female perspective. Of course, I worship the goddess um, in all aspects. This is just me not speaking for Richard. And then we will get into African spirituality and then end that with that. But right now, I want to thank you, Richard, for that. There's a lot of history. And so for those that are listening, I want people to be encouraged to not judge or not ostracize, but to actually do their own research of understanding. And I appreciate in my path all the people that are like, well, tell me more about that. And so this is my reasoning for having this for a part. And so we've talked a little bit about the history, um, but Richard is from the UK. I kind of want, what I was sitting here thinking was, Richard, in your opinion, since, I mean, of course, America, I don't want to go too deep into that, um, was established from UK and all that. We're not going to go into a whole political thing, but in the focus of witchcraft, um, what has been the evolution of witchcraft and European from UK to America? Oh, wow. Yes. I mean, that's, there's quite a lot there, right? Because so many cultures and peoples uh, immigrated to America. So what you have is you've got Irish stuff, you've got Italian stuff, you've got uh, British stuff. So you'll find, I mean, one of the most, I think, clearest examples I can give you is um, the Pennsylvania Dutch tradition of Brauchereit, which um, is Dutch, oh, sorry, not Dutch, it's German. Um, and they use particularly, like, very famously, you'll see what's called hex marks and things like that kind of filters. And so you've got all these kinds of little traditions and, uh, and folk magic traditions that kind of arise from that. You then, of course, have all the ceremonial magical traditions that came out of that. Also over here, we then, or, and that would have been early stuff, by the way, but then, of course, what you'll get is much later on over here in the 40s, 50s, you would have the establishment of uh, of Wicca, which would then come to the States, I think, in the 70s. It took a while to get there. And it came with a massive amount of the feminist movement. That was a big thing. And, of course, because um, there was an emphasis on the goddess, it gave a lot of scope for that. So it, it kind of all comes together in a very different way in America. Um, and of course, I mean, you mentioned you're going to be exploring African spirituality. I think it's very important <laughs> that we remember that everything starts in Africa, right? Like our civilization started there. All spirituality really started there. And, and it's why that when you come across other folk magical traditions such as um, hoodoo and things like that, and they might use uh, biblical elements, is that they recognize stuff mm -hmm. in the Bible that was theirs already. You yes. know, that you can see Moses and you see a bit of a conjure man, right? You see Jesus putting the dirt on the eyes of the blind to heal them. You know, you think, you no, know, we get a lot of our stuff from that. I think a lot of African spirituality is now part of um, a lot of magical vocabularies now. And y'all, I do want a disclaimer that Richard is a very much an ally of the African-American community. We love him. But I love being able to engage. And these are the things that I'm appreciative of because I'm all about unity and community. If you have listened to my podcast as a, a open, open witch, I do want to make sure that people understand that my position is to educate and to unify. And so I love the fact that I can engage in conversations about race and history and stuff. And the fact that he brought that up because I will have a segment dedicated to African spirituality, hoodoo and conjuring. But yes, and so I have these conversations and some of them get heated or some people, and that that that's fine. My position is not to convert 
side note, as my dad said, love him. But my position is not to convert anybody. <laughs> my position is the truth. And the truth is historically, a lot of spirituality disclaimer, my familiar is right next to me. So if you hear a lot of meowing, <laughs> she wants attention, but um, it's about truth. And as I'm growing in my journey and connecting, you know, my deities that I actually work with, I work with Obatsala. If anybody is familiar with Obatsala, he is an Orisha of order, wisdom and those things. And I will, I don't want to go too much into that because I want to say that for the African uh, occult uh, segment, but then I also work with Hakate um, and various other ones. But I appreciate you saying that, Richard, because that is the truth. And I want to acknowledge that. Now, there is witchcraft has been around for a lot of time. So you get into this conversation and this is where we need to know the facts of I, it doesn't really matter what's first, but in the order of how things have evolved. And that's why I asked that. And so a lot of things, of course, Africa is where life was established. And so understanding where those things came from, does it um, take away from the many things that have been um, discovered within witchcraft specifically? or certain African spirituality, no. But in understanding how things evolved over the centuries, what people have gone through, because I am a proud witch. For anybody that's listening, I do walk the path specifically of witchcraft and honoring, you know, the goddess and things like that. Whereas in someone that may be hoodoo or work with conjuring specifically may walk a different path. And there's nothing wrong with that. Your path is your path. I support and love and walk in order. And that's a lot where my spiritual um, gifts lie in is balance and order, protection, all of that. And growing as a witch, you will understand whether you're an eclectic witch or whether you're in, you work with earth magic or fire. Those are the things that you discover. But I love that you said that. And so what I want to dive into, and we, this is going to be, you know, about a 30, 45 minute conversation, but I want to start getting into um, male perspective. And this month is really going to be focusing on the female perspective, but we have plenty of time for that. But for me and my journey, when I first really got into actually seeking more knowledge, because as I said, I've always, even as a child, I always was a part of witchcraft, but actually standing, because coming from a religious perspective, and I know you have some experience in that as well too, and I'll let you talk about your experience coming from religion, um, Richard, but for me specifically, when I was in a part of Christianity, I never felt like that I was going to hell or anything like that. I challenged the truth though. And so for me, witchcraft was always something that was close to my heart, but as a child, you don't always have control over things. So it was really a running away from the power that was inside me or that uh, walked with me because of the, the non-acceptance of family and family is important to all of us i mean you get into covens and you know all of those things and whatever and you want to be a part of those things but for me that was the biggest thing and so once i started really getting to a point where i could start walking my own path was where i really felt like this is what worked for me and this is who i always have been side note when i started practicing a lot more there was a spiritual conversation where i was wanting to know am i walking the path of pure african spirituality or was i walking the path of witchcraft where some people may consider that european i don't uh, because witchcraft to me is as an a, a black person is still, I'm tied to all aspects. Um, and we'll get into another conversation about that. It sometimes can be a little bit heated depending on who you're talking to, but I'm all about 
um, unifying and truth and things. But that was the situation with me. And so it brought me into another conversation when I was trying to understand, well, where does masculinity play? Where does the male witch play in witchcraft? And oh my, so this is where we get real. You know, on the, the King Dreamy show, the, the Creamy Dreamy show, we get to the cream of things. And so for me, it kind of hurt my fucking feelings, you know? There's a lot of cursing on here sometimes. Sometimes there's not. But it really, you know, as a male, I am an androgynous male. So anybody that knows me knows that I beautifully walk between both feminine and masculine. But I worship the goddess because for me, life and the unconscious um, part of spirituality is what I resonate. I The feminine energy is very powerful for me. But it doesn't deny the power within masculinity and the conscious. And so I really did not understand the the issues with being called a warlock, that was something I had to learn. And I probably don't have a problem with saying which, of course I'm androgynous, so I don't have a problem with people saying this, this and that, but I'm not a woman. And so that's where I needed to understand, well, where do I fit in or what is the history when it comes to male witches and understanding how we play, because I think there's not a lot of acknowledgement of what the male witches have done and you know the oppression against witches and things like that and so richard as a theo well, theologist or in, in theology and philosophy and things like that what is your opinion or your experience or your knowledge and understanding what is the male perspective as being a witch do you agree with the term warlock do you not or just give us you know go ahead I'm, I'm i'm happy with that term i know a lot of people aren't and there's a lot of reasons for it i've heard people use the term warlock now to be indicative of male witches generally who are more leaning towards like evil or even vampirism i've heard some people uh, obviously they go by the i think it's the scottish etymology of it which is about breaking oaths mm -hmm. um but some people draw it uh, think it's drawn from a more nordic thing uh which is about um warding and protective magic it's or spell singing um and some people have just reclaimed it because why not because the thing is as much as the term in the the, the original anglo-saxon term would have been um witcher, yeah, or witcher anglo -Saxon. Right? now the word witch when it became witch as an actual word was only ever used negatively when that word right. witch appeared on its own before it was after the anglo-saxon word and just that only appeared negatively and what people have done is to, in i think very in a very good way is you've reclaimed it so i think it's nothing wrong if people want to kind of reclaim warlock if that's how they feel and there's an element of rebellion in that and i think that's important because one of the things actually in the book of samuel there's this reference which says um for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and yes. we have this very strong link to rebellion because we do not need priests who are ordained to do our stuff for us um we can kind of crack on and do our own thing and that i mean if you look at stuff like um oops, sorry if you look at stuff like um um the gospel of the witches um that's also all about rebellion against the elite i think a lot of the time in witchcraft we very we very clearly um in, well, I see people who don't do this, and that's always a problem, but it's very much to me about rebellion as well, and actually about um, seeing unfairness and inequality, right. and but then actively... Do, it's, it's, that, it's that difference between someone not being racist and being anti-racist, right? Anyone could... Well, not anyone, but people cannot be racist quite easily. 
but to actually be anti-racist is is takes activity you know and that's what people don't tend to do and it's the same with anything and everything same with like you know um same things for feminism and stuff like that so what i see when i think of the male witch in all this is somewhat and, it, and it's often that thing of actually i do think a lot of the time the male witch does sort of tread that kind of liminal space between masculinity and feminism it doesn't mean they have to but i think it happens a lot and i think that's because they don't see the need to um because a lot of the time what people are doing is they are just presenting themselves the way they think they need to be seen by a society by a culture by a people you know they need to be seen as they they're not someone who ever cries they need to be seen as some you know which you tend not to um let's take that on but some possibly you know are still like that you know you can never judge every single person but i think that um when i also look at it i think of it in the sense of i do i will say very clearly that women were clearly often um on the receiving end of persecution for this um there are examples like in iceland actually historically it was the opposite men were persecuted more than women in iceland for example um but most well of the time, and real quick it does say that so there real quick there's an excerpt yeah. um, that says in iceland between 1625 and 1685 92 of those prosecuted for witchcraft were men right, the most exactly. famous trial began that of a father and son named john johnson in 1655 known as the Kirk Jubal Witch Trial. I knew that, but I didn't know the context of that. So, um, and you can continue. I just want to say real quick, yeah. the reason why I'm bringing this up is because yes, during those time centuries, um, in, in my opinion of understanding that there was a lot of patriarchy. So I'm not saying it was easier to be a male, but I think you would see a lot more persecution of women because women were not looked as being independent. And in any anytime, there were a lot of women that were persecuted for being witches that actually were not. Um, and that Most probably so were not witches. That's the other thing to yes. bear in mind. Um, I've never been a fan of making witches out of Christians who were persecuted because I feel like we need to respect the religion they actually believed in, regardless of what happened to them. So those witches who died in Salem were probably not witches. They were Christian women who believed in Christianity and they were scared of going to act actually burning in hell because they would have believed in this stuff um so like you know it, there's a lot there but i will also say like one of the earliest texts we have that predates the bible the hammurabi code so in the bible um obviously most of the time um the female uh, noun is used rather than the male noun but in the hammurabi code which predates that and actually is very much considered um, something that would inform the Bible because a lot of the stuff there's a lot of stuff in there particularly civil rules that filter into the Hebrew Bible um, when it gets to magic it talks about in the masculine like the sorcerer but I think it's important that we when people look at the when they were saying things about um, potentially actually capital punishment for it this wasn't because they wanted to persecute people for practicing magic this was just because they took magic seriously and they knew it could kill someone so right. if someone was going to actually do this, obviously, just like giving someone the loaded gun, it was no different to them. But I believe, and it's been a long time since I read that passage, but it basically says if someone does accuse someone and it's not true, they will be punished with death as well. Like, it was quite a severe thing, but it was the reason that they um, took it so seriously is because they believed in magic. They knew it could kill you. It wasn't just like, you know, uh, it wasn't just to persecute people for practicing it. It was because it was very real to them. And 
you know, you could do a lot of harm with it if you were inclined to. So that's why the rule exists. It didn't exist at that time for like um, endless persecution. And even when it did exist in the Bible, um, Jewish courts very rarely seem to do much with it. There's only one account of about 81 women who were killed for it, and that ended in even more tragedy because of it. Um, but that was sort of Talmudic sort of period. But in um, obviously it was it was the um, medieval period, and after that, which was the you know the big witch trials. Well, and it's so interesting. I appreciate it because this is so people can understand that there's a lot more that goes into that. It's not necessarily to me about good and evil or this. It's more about people actually believe in that and were afraid of people being free or it was about control. It was about, you know, really annihilating people. And, and, and just for me, the horribleness about these were people that were murdered and killed for just walking in their their freeness or who were innocent in doing things. But in these times, people were, whether they were a witch or not, you know, were killed or persecuted for the fact that other people just didn't care for them or didn't want them to have these gifts because of fear of, of something that was absurd. And, and that's the truth about it. You know, I always talk about the fact that even today, um, I share with a lot of people, because I need people that are close to me to know that if, if anything happened, that there are actually witch hunters that are still alive and working, that follow the path of, of witch hunters. And I think there was some deaths, like my sister, which she'll be on this uh, podcast hopefully in the next episode, but there have been accounts just in last year of people still uh, walking proudly in the path of witch hunter. And it's so unfortunate as we deal with oppression, societal oppression, racism, and things like that, to, to not ignore the fact that there are witch hunters that are killing people for walking their own path, and that is horrible. But outside of that, I just want people to understand that witchcraft is not a path of trying to just annihilate Christians or any other religious path. A lot of times, especially in history, we have been the ones to actually help. You have different um, people within history that have actually been a part of helping um, other religions get into power, utilize that. Richard, I don't know if you can um, recall any of those that have been prominent throughout history and actually using some of their abilities um, to kind of help the um, uprising of certain um, leaders. But there are. There are plenty of people that have utilized their abilities and gifts, or there have been people who have been in positions that are actually sought out or even today, <clears throat> there are people in positions of power, whether you realize it or not, that really do believe in this. They don't avidly speak about it, but they go and consult, you know, tarot readers and people who practice the occult uh, <laughs> to understand that. And so it's interesting to me that we still live in a society where people are ostracized for the very gifts that people use um, to make their lives better. And so this specific topic is about the male perspective and just how we as male witches um even though it says that the world is a male world i always believe that that's not exactly true um but how we have evolved and grown over the years and so for you richard um as a you know experience like how is life for you today as a male witch and you know just a little bit about i mean you're in uk i'm in america 
y'all, I'm so ready to travel and explore the world. But for you, um, in your day-to-day lives, do you think it's easier, harder? Um, are you a part of any groups where there are other male witches? Are you a solitary uh, male witch? If you can yeah, share that with us. Um... I feel like, you know, when you do do any group work, you also stick with solitary. When you're just solitary, you don't get group work done. And I used to only want to be solitary. And then I have, I've worked in a few different groups now. And I will, and I know plenty of witches, male, female, and other. And I just think that, um, I think it really can depend on whether it's easy or hard. I mean, I've heard people have the conversation that men shouldn't be using the term witch at all. I've never been involved in that conversation to fully understand it. Um, I wouldn't obviously agree with it off the cuff, but I'd be, you know, I suppose I would listen to whatever point they had to make. But um, I'd, I wouldn't say it's particularly harder. Um, and I wouldn't say it's particularly... Because um, one of the things I did notice is that when, you know, I mentioned earlier, and this is relevant, so forgive me, but when I mentioned Circe earlier as the first witch of classical literature, she has four siblings who are all witches, depending on which kind of version you go through. And two are men and two are women. And the women get the real reputation for it the men it kind of goes elsewhere you know that it's mentioned it has its area but the men don't get the focus of that kind of witchcraft but they are the same they're not different they, they're practicing with herbs that you know they're doing all that kind of stuff um and it's interesting because i will say that clearly there was an emphasis on um on on uh, on women in that sense uh, I think today in in modern UK here it's not particularly difficult to be either most of the time there are going to be exceptions I have had people um, turn on me about it I've and I do think that women tend to have the it's not necessarily that we even get more of it it's hard I've never looked at a statistic of that but I would say that what I would definitely say is that um, a lot more of the terms against women are loaded like there's a lot more you know terms that people might throw at female witches than male witches or um there's that you know when you look when you look at a lot of the even art from that period it tends to depict them as women um so like every everyone has this idea of a witch based on a woman so i think there's a lot more to throw at women when it comes to insults when it comes to attacks and things like that um but obviously you know it can happen with men but i mean you mentioned earlier about the fact that people would turn to them and in this country for many years the um even the royal family not our current one but like you know uh, back in the day they would consult them um people noblemen would just employ magicians people magicians would go traveling around to court to you know get patronage from various people um and there's lots of there's lots of stories about various men and usually it was men because of course women wouldn't be employed back then so right. it's not, I'm not saying it's for a good reason because that was obviously part of the of the sexism at the time. But usually that's what you would sort of get. Um, but and today, of course, yeah, people still do consult in politics and everywhere it happens um, to this day. It's why you know when people are trying to use magic in a political way, a lot of I, I genuinely I'm not going to say what people should and shouldn't do. It's really up to them. But in my opinion, a lot more thought needs to go into that stuff because you've got people from the other side doing the same thing and instead of the bravado of saying I'm more powerful than they are I think it's important that people are more effective and um, yeah it's just a bit of a tough one because everyone's doing stuff against each other it's just a massive clash of things but um, there's still so much that goes on I mean even not just here in um, in, in in Israel which has obviously got there's a lot of political um, 
baggage there, but um, a lot of Kabbalists um, curse the Israeli government. And that's even on record to this day. They know very much about it. They don't hide it. Um, you know, you've got a lot of this stuff that goes on. A lot. Um, and I mean, famously, and I have to be honest, I, you might remember the name. Unfortunately, because I'm in the UK, I, just, I don't engage with this kind of sport. But I keep seeing occasional videos about um, a famous American sportsman of some sort whose wife practices some form of magic. And... Um, he was explaining that his wife gets him to say certain mantras and do certain things and light certain stuff um, and everyone was talking about it of course because she was very much practicing and very much being successful I don't actually remember his name I'd have to look it up but um, you know we see this happening all the time I've heard it loads of time at sport events where people were employed to um, you know get rid of a curse and things like that you know it just it's just still very prevalent in its own way well, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up because that, and I will go more in context for those that are listening as far as, you know, the American history and all of that, which that will go more into African spirituality. So for those of us as African-Americans and our connection with our ancestry and slavery, of course, I will tie into Louisiana, Hoodoo and Conjuring, and I will have hopefully my special guest, my sister, who is a... Um, spiritual advisor and um, hoodoo and conjuring things of that nature um, but that is our history and trying to it, well in emerging especially in those times that it was ostracized that we were forced you know or our African ancestors our history and our, our stuff was tried to take away but it what it wasn't and so there are different variations of that as far as Santeria, which is witchcraft, or hoodoo and conjuring, which is a form, as we said, witchcraft is a base term. There are those that aptly walk, and that is our path of witchcraft. But there are those that are called witches that are hoodoo conjurers or practice a form of African spirituality, or Santeria, which works with Catholic um, in, the, in the merging of if I'm correct in that, Richard, with Catholic and, and the merging of African deities and things like that. And so when I get into that segment, we'll talk deeply on that, but there is a lot of that. There are a lot of, and I say this to everyone, there are witches that still go to church and things like that. It does not mean that we're like completely different or whatever. Your path is your path. It is, this focus is really just to understand how much we are not different, but how much the truth is, what we practice and what we honor is embedded in a lot of things that people really don't understand. I always talk about when you look at biblical things as far as sacrifice and stuff or drinking, that is a form of a ritual. And people need to realize that like a lot of things that you do when you don't understand the context behind that or the truth, you walk blindly. And I just want people to know and understand and be aware that I I, I openly and acknowledge you walk, acknowledge openly acknowledge and walk in that path of truth and enlightenment. My purpose as a spiritual advisor or being a, a, a open witch and walking my path is to bring people to light. That could be you still being a Christian. That could be you being Buddhist or whatever. I'll, I, I seek knowledge and power. I, anybody that knows me knows that I, that is what I walk. So I will find it in whatever way that I can. But. Americans or African-Americans have always incorporated their spiritual beliefs or their religious beliefs and everything that they do, um, regardless of the time and what we are not openly allowed to do. And that's been our, 
I don't want to say suffering, but that has been a lot of what we've had to endure is the lack of privilege that we get to openly. And so when you talk more about African spirituality, there are a lot of hidden things or things that are only passed down verbally, which Bruce Crab does it as well too, but there are a lot of things that are not written in context or that is not shared openly because of the ridicule or the oppression. And so uh, even with the way that we dress or if you, when you understand braiding and things like that, these are things that are still spiritually attached. So yes, Richard, there are a lot of people that engage and tap into certain things. There are a lot of podcasts that talk about you know, people that are Christians that still practice a form of voodoo and hoodoo and things like that, that people may not agree. But outside of that basis, when you look at the context of certain things in the Bible to us as witches, we're like, no, that's a blood sacrifice or yada, yada, yada. And so, well, not yada, yada, yada. Um, but that's really what that means. And so in these last, well, we still have a few more minutes. I do want to um, discuss how do we as the community of, of witches or um, spiritual practitioners, um, in your opinion, um, Richard, how do we grow from this or what do we or, or how do we move together as far as the masculine, the feminine or the male perspective and the feminine perspective? Do you think that we are moving in a higher direction of being one? Um, or do you think that there's still a little bit of time for that? Or do you feel like that there's, you know, have we always been as one? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a that's a typical one. Because I think when people say, like, talk about their feminine and masculine side, I kind of feel the conversation should be, like, there's a, like what is your feminine and masculine energy and what is mine? What, like, everyone will have a different balance. Right. Um, and I feel that in terms of as a community one of one of the things that always drives me mad in communities especially when we're talking about people who are potentially attacked and oppressed is when they find almost every reason not to come together you know like if you're doing that you may as well do the oppressor's job for them you know like there's no point in every when we come together and we're united that is what they've always not wanted because that is when you can win the fight so i always feel that it's i mean people do have to step up in some ways like i will say like i genuinely do feel that um i suppose for me one of the bigger issues i don't i mean again i don't see a big issue with male and female in witchcraft i'm not saying it doesn't exist i'm just saying it's not something i experience much of but i'm saying this as a male witch in the uk so it could be very different what i do think is an issue is i think there's a lot of I don't think that spaces for witches are diverse enough or welcoming right. enough um, and fair in that way. I think that the community needs to do a lot more about that. Um, I agree. Own up to the white privilege within it. I yeah, want to hear more diverse voices, like, like yourself, you know, being on here. Like, I don't really think that it's like I remember when when like we were when things were getting really um, more intense with the BLM protests um, and we were addressing it in some of those communities some of the responses were crazy and I just was so surprised I just kind of feel like we need to just step up we need to be better it's not about guilt we just need to be better than those before us um, and to me that is the bigger problem it's just I think coming together and making sure those spaces are more welcoming and um, open to um, 
to a bed to to a, to a, a more diverse amount of voices because I'm not gonna I do not need to be listening to the same white faces all the time right quite bluntly like I, and I know that's like but it's just I, we need to open that up because it, it it does seem to always be the same thing I think that we, I think things can come together I don't I don't doubt that I I think it's but I always will say it, it's never an easy thing and it's never a fast thing you know it, it, but I just want I just I just think we've got to keep the momentum going um, and support that as much as possible and I thank you and my ancestors thank you. And this is my purpose for those who are listening, which or not is to bring people on here and have these discussions. Richard, I so thank you for that perspective, being an ally and, and, and being white, you know, because these are serious conversations. Because to me, I feel like in these mar- marginalized groups of uh, being Jewish, or being, you know, just all these different sectors when it comes to oppression, a lot of us, that have been oppressed, that is the thing that baffles me is that we're not working more together to realize when right. you've been oppressed, we're still getting oppressed. Why are we not working together? So as far as, you know, when it comes to witches, especially black witches, we, I would appreciate, let me speak for myself. I would appreciate more of my white witches or as a male witch, more of my female witches, us standing together and unifying because there is power in that. We are powerful, solitary, but, and I think there's a quote, I can't remember what it is. I think it says, you know, we're like cats, you know, cats are perfectly fine by themselves, but to know that there are more of us, that we can tap into that power is far much more greater. So I appreciate that. Now I was sitting here um, and shuffling my earth magic oracle cards. I love them because yes, I love, I'm an earth element um, and I resonate in that, but I pulled this card or this card filled out and if you could see it, it's so beautiful. And it says fog field. And the energy that I get from this, as you see this fog dissipate, hopefully I'm saying, saying that wrong, or disappearing, the energy around this card is really, it's time for that fog to, to d- dissipate and be an unraveled as we're emerging and evolving in this new space of understanding what witchcraft is or understanding our spiritual path and letting the light shine through, or or as it's saying, veal. And so in it, if I just read real quick, um, it just says, fog is simply a low cloud, a blanket of water crystals that hasn't gained the density of raindrops. The thicker it is, the more it shrouds us in its damp and billowy arms. It can be so thick that it makes it nearly impossible to see directly in front of us. During those times, silence makes its own sound as we pause and allow ourselves to be enveloped in this shroud of impenetrable density. We may even feel as if we can do nothing but be still and await what is to be revealed. Yet even within the thickest fog, we can be assured that it will eventually burn off as the sun's rays infiltrate the veil. Once they do so, we can anticipate how the light and warmth will bring us welcome relief from the cold as the sun continues to disperse the fog or surroundings become illuminated and we have the opportunity to continue forward. So even just this podcast really is just about um, moving away from that fog and those clouds and walking towards the light or that enlightenment. But the message in this says you are enmeshed in confusion and uncertainty and are unsure if it will ever clear up. This is not the best time to make decisions, particularly in in any major ones. 
Note that this foggy veil will eventually dissolve. Although there may be ways you are unconsciously contributing to this state, the greater truth is that this is simply a cycle you are moving through. And like all things, this too shall pass. Allow yourself to feel confused. In fact, decide to be confused no matter what attempts you might attempts you make right now to make things happen or move in any specific direction out of impatience or frustration. You risk only creating more confusion and uncertainty. So be still and patient. Wait for the first glimmer of awareness to lift the veil so that you can see the choices before you more clearly and can then choose to align yourself with the will of the spirit. Oh my God, this is talking about me. <laughs> but I'm fine with that. Patience. But continue in the understanding for those that are listening, whether this applies or not. This is really about being patient and, you know, being confused for a little bit. I know we're walking in Gemini and Taurus and all those moon um, phases, but this is really just about the fact that you are walking in a path. Confusion is confusion. Being patient and not rushing anything for the lesson that you must understand. And so I thank you so much for being here, Richard. Any last words? Because we will have him on again. But I want you to give some last words. Tell people about you where they can find you. Um, and then I'll talk about some things in these last few moments about myself as well. Sure. So I think one thing that I think I just want to quickly acknowledge is because we were discussing this with a very specific remit is obviously we do acknowledge the fact that um, women are also oppressed to the state in many yes. ways. So as much as we are addressing the male perspective within a certain scope, I didn't want to ignore the fact that um, that is obviously a problem as well. Even within our own community, that can be a problem. Um, and it's just something that, that we obviously need to be more vigilant of. Um, but I would say if you are interested, if you want to see my stuff i'm on instagram as um pharmacaea uk it's going to be a fun one to try and spell um but you're more than welcome to go on there send me a message or anything um but yeah that's pretty much it for me thank you and i thank you richard yes um and i do support anybody that knows me i'm a protector of my women in my life and I love my female witches. And even though I chose this topic to um, focus and, on male witches, I stand with, and I, I, I appreciate you saying that, Richard, because to me, that is the purpose of the masculine and the male witch is to walk with the unconscious or the feminine energy and all of that. We are there to protect and walk with them, not in front or behind as they are with us. And so, yes, women are, a lot more oppressed than men and i do acknowledge that and so i thank you for being here if anybody wants to book any sessions with me um i'm a tarot reader as he is as well too but you can always follow me on instagram at cj the phoenix god or on facebook phoenix rises and my phoenix is spelled p-h-e-o-n-i-x um because i'm different <laughs> but you can also follow me on bego tv at dreamy host uh, and I'm on many things. And my purpose as I end this is really to bring people to enlightenment, to manifest the king and queen, the god and goddess that they are. And it is important for us as beings to know that our energy circles within all of us. So honor your ancestors, work with whatever deity that you choose to work with and be true to your own self. Um, I love the wish that I am as Richard does and many of us. And this is all about education, knowledge. Knowledge is power to me. And so I bring it to everyone. 
if you want it, no forcing, and I'm not trying to convert anybody. I just think these are purposeful conversations so we can get an understanding. And the truth is an uncomfortable thing, but the truth is the truth. And so as I end this, as I always do, I thank the mother goddess for bringing us together. I appreciate each and every guest, specifically Richard for today. He will be on here again, and I thank him for being here with me. He is a wonderful and extraordinary um, person and being, and as I end this, as I always do, Au revoir, ciao bella, adios, assalamu alaikum, and peace and abundant blessings into you all. Have a great day.